Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry of Delaware Bible Church. In today's episode for the Delaware Bible Cast, we have one of our church elders, Bart Hughes, joining us. Bart, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So as we have done several times now, we are continuing working through uh, hearing the testimony and hearing just a brief interview from each of our elders here at Delaware Bible Church. It helps us uh, as leaders to be able to share our story with you all as congregants. It helps you to get to know us better. And we hope that our time today will be in a blessing and encouragement to you. So Bart Hughes, one of the elders that has served, I believe, in my about seven and a half years at the church, all but one year, he has served on the elder board, and I know did many years before that. And that one year he was off was because he had to take it off as part of a one-year sabbatical that we have for elders after six years. So Bart, as we begin, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about what you do professionally and about your family. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm married. Mm -hmm. My wife, Beth, and I have been married for 32 years. We have two grown daughters. Uh, One lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. One lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. The one in Charlotte has two children of her own, so we have uh, two grandchildren that we enjoy uh, immensely, enjoy spending time with and uh, loving on. I was raised by a single mom. My parents were divorced when I was two or thereabouts, and my mom remarried when uh, she remarried to a farmer that lived out in the country when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, I worked as a farm equipment mechanic, worked on lawn and garden equipment originally, and then farm equipment later uh, for 17 years or so. And then recently, well, I say recently, seems like recently, it's 14 years ago now, I switched to uh, a different industry, which is kind of industrial automation. And that's where I'm at today. I'm still working in that industry today. So how many years have you and Beth been married? Uh, 32 years. 32 years. And for those of us who work around here, we know Beth as the uh, resident IT lady here at Delaware Christian School. So uh, you have a long history, not only with the church, but with the school, with Beth working here, with your daughters attending here. And can you tell us a little bit about Beth's background here and what she specifically does here at DCS? Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, She was a stay-at-home mom when our kids were little, and uh, when Rebecca, our youngest, was old enough to start in school here at DCS, Beth started working here as a teacher's aide, just part-time. Later, she worked as an aide in the library, Um, and I don't remember exactly how it came about, but uh, the school secretary was retiring, and Beth was asked if she would uh, switch and become a full-time employee and be the secretary for the school. So she did that for quite a few years. Uh, in the course of that work, the uh, you know things related to computers became more and more in, important in the life of the daily life of teachers and the school in general. And she was really interested in that. So the, um, she ended up switching to the IT, what they call the IT coordinator. Uh, she's a, an army of one looking mm-hmm. after all the uh, all the networks and the phone system, safety and security, 
uh, HVAC system, the servers, the smart boards, 100 plus computers around the building, the bell system. So she has a lot of, uh, a lot of varied responsibilities. And uh, she's been here, I guess I didn't go back and look at the number of years, but it has been quite a few years. Yeah, Becca's Probably. out of college now, so, yeah, so. <laughs> a few years. <laughs> Tech has changed quite a bit since then. So what do you enjoy uh, just doing outside of church? What do you enjoy doing for fun, Bart? I've, I guess I have a variety of, of interests. Uh, in the summertime, I love being out working in the yard. Uh, I like gardening with that farm background. Mm-hmm. I like uh, having my hands in the soil, don't mind digging holes and planting flowers or um, vegetables. My uh, my main hobby is grow, trying to grow really good tomatoes. Okay. So that's one of the things I enjoy doing. But uh, basically anything outside. In the wintertime or in the evenings, uh, I like to think of myself as being interested in learning, but maybe in a in not a traditional format. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a, a reader, so to speak. Um. So I don't read a lot of books. I will read things uh, as needed, read the Bible, uh, listen to the Bible. But uh, I enjoy learning in, uh, in maybe untraditional ways. So like podcasts, uh, as you know, Pastor Brad, I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of them. <laughs> uh, sometimes with my job, I can listen during the day while I'm working. So uh, I do a lot of podcasts on church topics, uh, leadership topics, and then just listening to to sermons and services from uh, from other ministries, and then uh, relatively recently, I've got started watching some stuff on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of good gardening videos because of my interest in gardening. I can I can learn about gardening even when I'm not doing it. Uh, also, personal finance and home building. Even though I, I've never built a home, I don't intend to build a home for some reason it uh it seems interesting to me to learn about building science and how how houses are built and so there's just a, a wide variety of interests and uh, i seem to keep myself occupied learning about those different things so i think it might be of benefit for those listening to our podcast as uh, you being a guy who's an elder at our church and a leadership form at our church to share maybe some of your favorite podcasts or resources uh that you get a lot of just enjoyment and edification from. So what are some of your favorite Christian podcasts that you listen to? Um, I listen to The Briefing. I mm-hmm. like Al Mohler. Obviously, he's uh, he's really good. Uh, Alistair Begg, mm-hmm. I usually catch uh, his every day. There's um, – wow. There's, can we circle back around to that question? We, I can yeah. actually pull my phone out and, and give you a list of a Absolutely. few good ones. We will do that there at the end. So then if you wouldn't mind, uh, share with us your testimony of how you came to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, As a kid, I remember um, my mom always attended uh, an Episcopal church. I was raised in Circleville, Ohio, and we went to the Episcopal church there. I can remember being involved in Sunday school, maybe even clear up into youth group, uh, choir kind of stuff. Um, but I don't remember ever, and not because I'm not saying they didn't offer it, but I don't remember ever hearing the gospel as a child or responding to the gospel as a child. Um, when I became a teenager, I was, uh, pretty rebellious and didn't want to go to, didn't want to go to church anymore. 
and was old enough to say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. So I was able to talk my mom into it. So she would go to church and I would stay home. And after she remarried, my stepdad was not a believer. Uh, so he was not interested in going to church. So he was, he was fine with me staying home. Um, and like many people's story, mine is not, um, very dramatic, but I think it's uh, similar to people's other people's story in that there was an episode in my life where I thought I knew where my life was going and how it was going to go. I thought I understood the direction of my life and then something happened and my world got turned upside down and I found myself at a place where, uh, I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, I was kind of at the end of myself Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to do. All the things I thought my life was going to be, it was obvious that that wasn't going to work out that way. So I was, uh, it was obvious to me that I wasn't in control. And as God orchestrated that, I was at that time, 19 years old, I was living by myself in an apartment in Washington courthouse. And I had my, uh, TV on and a Billy Graham crusade was on TV. And I had been exposed to Billy Graham before, knew what the ministry was, wasn't a big uh, watching church on TV kind of guy. Um, but for some reason, I was, uh, I was drawn to that program and I sat and watched and listened to um, Billy Graham present the gospel. And the Holy Spirit was at work in my heart and I prayed right then and there to, uh, I confessed my sins and confessed Christ as my Savior. Uh, called the number that they put on the screen. If you remember ever watching those uh, those things, you know there was a number scrolling across the screen all the time. And I called, and uh, they sent me some some kind of a packet of information, a, a Bible study, something through the Book of John. I'm sure I don't remember spe- specifically, but uh, anyway, that was that was my conversion experience Mm -hmm. and uh it wasn't it wasn't as dramatic as a sum um and my from that moment on it was it seemed to be a very steady but sometimes slow process of me growing and changing Mm -hmm. um it wasn't the dramatic you know story that the way some way god intervenes in some people's lives but but i would say that's where many find themselves is similar to where yeah. you're at there. Where yeah, I it's think the ups and the downs and takes time. But that's that's one of the things that's been neat for me as I've listened to each elder hearing their story. I never would have pegged you for a I got saved from a Billy Graham crusade video. Yeah. And so. uh, a fun fact that goes along with that, a few years later, uh Billy Graham was in Columbus mm-hmm. uh with a crusade and we were involved in a church that was uh was helping with that. So Got to go down and and be a uh, what they call it, a counselor. Oh, and that's uh, cool. Participate as uh, as a volunteer mm-hmm. with the ministry that uh, was instrumental in in bringing me to faith. So that was really that's cool. Neat. Praise the Lord. So that being said, uh, as you continued to grow in that process that we talked about, the ups and the downs, and however life ebbs and flows with that, who have been some of the significant spiritual mentors in their in your life? And what was it about them that really left a significant impact for you? Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, that question when you sent it to me. And there's um, there have been many. Um, the first one I think of, we were uh, at a little Methodist church 
down the street, and I was pretty young in my faith. Um, and there was a guy there named Steve Sylvie who kept coming up to me and, and encouraging me, asking me, inviting me to go to um, this event over in Indianapolis that he was all excited about. That was he. It was called Promise Keepers, mm-hmm. and he he was trying to get uh, guys at our church interested in going over. And it seemed to me like the craziest thing in the world to take time off work, uh, be away from my family for a couple of days, one night maybe, drive several hours to another state to go do something related to church. And uh, he was relentless. He would not, um, he would not, he would take no for an answer, I think, if I'd have told him no, mm-hmm. but I never did tell him no, but he just kept hounding me and hounding me and hounding me. And I really appreciate it because uh, that actually became one of the things that God used to um, mature me and grow me was being involved in uh, going to Promise Keepers conferences and learning about God through that ministry, which I wasn't getting um, maybe to that degree before that. So that was really good. But that was kind of a one-time thing, right? It wasn't somebody that was uh, in my life for years and years and years that Mm -hmm. continued to mentor me. But I look back on that, and I uh, I always think fondly of Steve and how he was uh, the catalyst for me being involved in that. Uh, Another gentleman, Nick Reed, uh, taught an adult Sunday school class uh, at our previous church. Just what he taught me was uh, the love of God's Word Mm -hmm. and how he demonstrated that. Um, there was a couple pastors at our previous church, Tom Esty and uh, Ralph Velasco. They were uh, just local church pastors that were in small churches that were loving their families, loving the people that are, were around them, and uh, their love for the Lord was um, that. That made an impact on me. Watching how they interacted with their wives, how they raised their children. Once we came here, um, I was. Uh, as with many people who were here at the time, I'm sure impacted by uh, Pastor Marv Hintz. Mm-hmm. He, uh, we came when we first started coming to DBC. I had a lot of questions, and he was very generous with his time. We would meet for breakfast, and he would let me uh, ask a lot of questions, and he answered them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later, we kept meeting, and uh, he was always an encouragement to me as I was uh, young. And my, you know, had a young family and was trying to get involved and balance work and home life and how to be um, serving the Lord. So, Marv, uh, Marv was a a big impact on my life. Um, one of the things I look back on is it, maybe not a person, although Matt Van Gordon had a lot to do with uh, overseeing it. Back, uh, we had a by BDI, the Bible Discipleship Institute, okay. way back in the day. Um, Pastor uh, Van Gordon and others taught in that. I had an opportunity to teach in it after we, you know, after you'd done a class, then later you could teach a class. And that really challenged me to be in the Word and even memorizing Scripture. That was one of the one of my first experiences with uh, memorizing Scripture. My dad was a, was a big influence in my life. He was uh, not saved when I was a kid. He was saved later in life and uh, had a relationship with him as an adult. And uh, what he demonstrated to me was obedience to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had uh, he had made a lot of mistakes in his life, had um, 
had been married quite a few times, had children in many of those marriages, and kind of a a, a, a difficult. There was kind of a a, a lot of pain in his wake and mm-hmm. his families. And after he came to the Lord, the re- the reason that he was such an inspiration to me was after he came to the Lord, uh, he took so seriously what the Scripture said about um, forgiveness and trying to make restitution and trying to make things right, that he got all, he, a lot of his kids were grown at the time, but he got all of his kids together and asked them for their forgiveness. Wow. Uh, and it was, uh, it was just Im- impressive to me to see him uh, live that out. And then last thing I would say, the, these are men like at a distance that have had an impact. So uh, people that were on the radio or internet ministries that I've had opportunity to to interact with um, may not agree with all of them a hundred percent theologically. And some of them have had um, serious problems in their personal lives and they've been disqualified for ministry since then. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, that doesn't, um, that doesn't neglect, neglect, negate what God did through them mm-hmm. at the time. You, so yep. uh, Jack Hayford, Tony Evans, Chuck Smith, uh, James McDonald, Chip Ingram, Erwin Lutzer, Alistair Begg, Al Moeller, the list goes on and on and on. There's mm-hmm. so many people that I think have helped shaped my thinking uh, to, sh- to think biblically over the years. So That's great. appreciate you sharing that. So you said that you were at uh, another smaller church in town before coming here. First of all, before we get to the question that I have for you that you know about, let me ask you this. What event, What led your family to Delaware? I know you weren't originally from Oh, there. yeah. Well, uh, that's a good question. So I was I was actually born at Grady Hospital in Delaware. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, my grandparents uh, lived just south of town on 315. They had a dairy there. So my dad was born and raised in Delaware. Uh, we He was back in the area with my mom when I was born, and then we moved to Circleville mm-hmm. by the time I was about two, and then they were divorced by the time I was two and a half. And so I lived in Circleville. And then uh, my so my grandmother still lived on the farm by herself. Uh, my granddad had passed away quite a few years before, and my grandmother's health was not deteriorating, but everybody in the family was going to feel a little more comfortable if she was like in a retirement community sure. or around other people. And she didn't want to leave the house that she moved into the day she got married and mm-hmm. never moved. So she'd lived in that house for 70 years. So I moved from Washington Courthouse up and uh, got a job in Delaware and moved in with my grandmother. So that's what brought me to Delaware. Okay. Good and question. then shortly after that, you brought Beth from was it Lancaster? Yeah, she, yeah, she Got her and I, Lancaster. she and I met each other in Circleville when we were in junior high together, mm-hmm. and then uh, she was working uh, at Lancaster mm-hmm. at the time, living in Pickerington, I think. Yep, and then uh, when we got married, she came to Delaware and been here ever since. There you go. So, what then led your family when you were in Delaware to DBC? We. Um, well, so the connection to my grandmother, as you know, she went to a, a little math, little Methodist church, Stratford St. Paul's United Methodist Church, which uh, doesn't exist anymore. It sat on 23, right where the Chevy dealership is mm-hmm. today. But if anybody remembers that uh, brick church that stood there on the east side of 23, 
And that's where my grandmother attended. So when I would come up and visit her on the weekends or once I moved up here and was living with her, uh, I was driving my grandmother to church. So we went to the church that she wanted to go to. So I went to uh, that little Methodist church and got involved there because I was there. Um, Some of those, uh, Tom and Ralph, some of those pastors that I got to know, and Nick, those were all folks that I knew from there. Um, But as I was growing spiritually and spending more time in God's Word— and we weren't the only ones. There were other people. This was a very small and a very conservative little congregation. Mm-hmm. And there were other people there, too, who were looking at what was happening at the denomination level with what was going on in the United Methodist Church and were not pleased and were, not, uh, were convinced that what was going on was not biblical, mm-hmm. that uh, the way the denomination was going was they were walking away from uh, – what was truly the Christian faith and things that they were embracing and wanting to be taught. And there's a lot of, I think, good things in the denominational model, uh, and there's some bad things in the denominational model. And one of the bad things is that regardless of how conservative your local congregation is, you are sending money, um, apportionments they called it, every congregation was sending money to the district and things that would end up ultimately to the denomination mm-hmm. headquarters, right? You're all supporting each other. And um, so we finally came to the point where we just couldn't reconcile what we saw in God's Word with what we saw happening in the denomination mm-hmm. and knowing that we were, because of our giving to our local church, we were actually supporting right. what was happening. Mm-hmm. So we came to that conclusion. We were involved, deeply involved in ministry. We were, Beth and I were both involved in, in leadership positions, uh, within the church. And the last thing we wanted to do was to just, um, walk away, just stop showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Uh, so we, we stepped, uh, stepped out of our leadership roles, uh, made sure other people were involved in, in leading the things that we were involved with. And then we, let the pastor know. We let the leader, other leaders know that we were leaving, why we were leaving. It wasn't because we were mad at anybody. We uh, There wasn't a personality conflict between us and anybody in the church, because I don't think leaving for that reason would be a biblical reason for leaving, mm-hmm. but that it really was theological reasons that we were leaving. So we left. It was the only uh, church our kids had known uh, at the time, so it was a, it was a difficult thing for them. Uh, and we did a lot of looking around. Beth was already working here at school. Okay. Um, Becca was was in school, so Beth was here working at least part time. Um, we visited many other area churches. Um, for just we wanted because Beth worked here, we wanted to really look because we didn't want it to seem like. In fact, I would have probably been happier at the time if we'd have found someplace else to go other than DBC only because we didn't want uh, the appearance to be that she was working here. And that's why we came to church here. Right. Um, Not that that would have necessarily been a bad thing, but there was, there was some backstory going on there. So anyway, we visited a lot of churches and unfortunately at that time, not saying it's that way now, but at that time it was difficult to find a good theologically sound Bible-believing, Bible-teaching uh, church in the Delaware community. 
So we started visiting here. I was super impressed by um, how many people here were involved in the Sunday school program. Mm-hmm. When you walked in on a, at that time there was one service. So we walked in right before the, the service and Sunday school was just ending. So the, the hallway was just full, full of adults and kids and people that were streaming from the Sunday school classes into the, uh, into the auditorium. And uh, that was something that got my attention anyway, was that there, hey, there's all these people that are interested in, in something beyond just showing up for an hour mm-hmm. on Sunday morning for worship. So we came. Uh, Pastor Hintz was, was teaching at that time, and uh, we appreciated his teaching and the Sunday school classes, and just all of it was a good fit for us. Great. So, so that's, this is where we landed, been here uh, involved for... I think I've figured out maybe since 2002. Okay. So what uh, ministries are you current? I know you've been involved in many, uh, but what ministries are you currently involved in within our church body? Currently, the list is actually getting shorter. Uh, My wife and I are life group leaders, Mm -hmm. so we have a group that meets uh, twice a month. So we enjoy that. Um, I don't know if I can count VBS because we haven't done it for so long. Hey, we've only been off a year. I know, so. but it seems you know it only <laughs> happens. It only happens once a year, so it seems. Yeah, pretty we're far we're to... hoping for this year, but we're kind of keeping an eye on it. Yeah, I've, so I've enjoyed uh, teaching uh, kids uh, at VBS. That's been fun, and I've been uh, involved, as you mentioned early on. I guess the reason I'm here is because I'm involved in the elder board. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one time back when uh, before you came, there somebody had uh, stepped down off the elder board way back when, and I was asked if I would finish filling out their term. Mm -hmm. So I I served uh, a little while back under Marv's uh, leadership when he was senior pastor. And then, as you said, I think I've served six years in a row or something there uh, after Pastor Scott came and then took a break, and now I'm back on again. And then the latest thing is, uh, which you're going to ask me about next, is the DCS school board. I am. But I think we should say as well that – Recently retired from junior church lead teacher, nearly every well every Sunday unless you weren't in town for how many years did you do junior church? Yeah, you know I don't really know. It was uh, shortly after we came in two thousand and two. There wasn't uh, at that moment there wasn't anything like junior church, and there was some other mm-hmm. couple other families uh, and myself that were interested in starting something like that. So we kind of got it started. Um, I was not teaching at the time. I was actually helping lead music, which is really funny. Um, I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, you wouldn't want to hear that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, probably to be conservative, say, since 2006, okay. maybe. All right. So tell us then, as you mentioned, you are now uh, both a member of the elder board and uh, head of the school board. So tell us your role now that you have recently I think it was the end of last year, wasn't it, that you officially took on this role? Yeah, at the November school board meeting, I was voted to be president of the school board. Uh, And then we didn't meet in December. So I've officiated, been involved with uh, one meeting so far as school board president. Mm -hmm. So sky's the limit here on what I can tell you about uh, what my role is, other than uh, there is a... Thankfully, there's a, a, a handbook that mm-hmm. talks about the school board. So even though I'm only one meeting in, so 
from personal experience, I can't tell you a lot about what that role looks like, but I can tell you what it's supposed to look like, at least according to the handbook. Um, as you might imagine, obviously the school board is under the elder board as far as, mm-hmm. uh, hierarchy. If right. you think of the leadership within the body, because the school is a ministry of Delaware Bible Church. So the school board is under the elder board, um, but they are responsible for approving um, philosophical, spiritual, administrative, and financial policies of DCS. Uh, and then the board chairman is responsible for setting the agenda, the, helping with the head of school set the agenda of the meeting, convening and running the meetings, and then being the voice of the board out to the constituents, to the parents and the mm-hmm. community. So those are the responsibilities and the role. I haven't got to practice them very much yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I would, I would, have to mention as well, of course, that you were the lead elder, the head elder for the church for, was it two years? Yeah, I think it was two, two years. years. Yeah, before your time off and then... Now jumping back in and being the head of the school board. So appreciate all your service there. Yeah. So uh, do you have a favorite, or uh, many people would call it like a life verse, but some favorite passages of Scripture that just have really stuck out to you, kind of you seek to define your life after, things like that? Yeah, um, I think so. Back, uh, as I mentioned, the BDI days here at DBC when we were doing that program, and I was uh, involved as a student, one of the things that we did was uh, that it got me involved in for the first time, I think, really, was memorizing scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think at the we memorized scripture that was related to what we were learning about. So it would be a verse or two, kind of here and there, topical things. And somehow, I guess I don't remember the specifics of how I landed there, but I ended up spending a lot of time in Colossians mm-hmm. and. I think Marv maybe was teaching on Colossians at the time. So even as a church, we were spending time in Colossians. So I got to really reading uh, Colossians, meditating on Colossians, and then started memorizing some sections within Colossians, even beyond what we were required to do for the class. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, Colossians 3.23 has just been an important verse to me over the years, and I've been able to apply it uh, in lots of different areas of my life. And it says, uh, I think I, I memorized it in a, in maybe a previous version of the NIV because that's what I was using at the time. So may not line up with what anybody has exactly word mm-hmm. for word in, uh, in their Bible today, but it's whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And, uh, that's just been a good reminder for me at, at many different times and in many different areas of my life. So yeah, that's kind of my uh, my favorite verse. So this season that we've been going through, uh, particularly with COVID-19 and everything that I know you have, uh, as I've been in the same meetings with you, we've had to figure out so many things on the elder board, so many things personally with our life, uh, all those different things going on right now during this COVID-19 season. If I were to ask you to say, uh, what are... What are the biggest areas that you would say the Lord is teaching you or has been growing you in during this season that we're almost looking at a year now? Yeah. What would that, what would those things be? Um, 
Well, there's many. For one, uh, to start with, though, I have to say that compared to, <clears throat> excuse me, compared to a lot of folks, um, my family's been relatively unaffected in in a lot of ways. Of, of course, except with uh, with you having to quarantine because of me, right? <laughs> I, I'm coming to that. That's I, on my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but what I mean is, uh, uh, I was able to work. Beth and I both basically worked straight through the whole time. Mm-hmm. There was no financial impact to us as far as loss of income or losing a job or anything like that, um, which we're thankful for. Um, so my job was uh, considered uh, essential even back when everything was shut down. So even in the early days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was still going to work. Uh, I can remember carrying a piece of paper in my car, you know, in case I got stopped by the oh, sheriff wow. that said, yeah. you know, here, I'm an essential employee which was uh, crazy to think about. But anyway, uh, so we've been relatively unaffected. I have had to quarantine twice due to possible exposure. Once uh, somebody at work came to work sick and uh, later tested positive, so they sent us all home, mm-hmm. told us all to quarantine for 10 days or 14 days. And then, as you mentioned, you and I were in a meeting together uh, the day uh, that you started showing symptoms and then subsequently tested right. positive. So I, did, yeah. I quarantined again. Uh which was, you know, that's relatively, relative. I, I never did end up getting it from either one of those possible exposures. So I've never uh, contracted the virus. But what it has shown me is, I think, uh, I've had to come face to face with the sin of selfishness and pride and maybe some other things in my life. Uh, the way that's kind of manifested is, it's shown me how how much I thought I was in control mm-hmm. of things, and it's through just unbelievably different circumstances. It's shown me that what I have control over is is nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm totally. I mean, we know this from scripture. We theologically we can say the words that would lead somebody to believe that we understand this, but we don't always live it. Mm-hmm. I don't think. So I can say. We're total, I'm totally dependent on the Lord, and I can mean it. I mean, but I think it's a, it's at a mind level. But I think COVID helped me get it a little more to a heart level, right? Uh, than it's been before. You know, I, I me, uh, I'm sure like everybody else, but you know, I wanted things to go my own way, and I was completely fine with allowing other people to to get what they want or to to do their own thing as long as I could as long as things would go my way. But the, the minute things weren't going my way, then, then it's pride and mm-hmm. it's selfishness. Um, not wanting somebody else to tell me what to do. Yeah. Wow, that was a big one. Uh, I was like, what do you mean? Uh, I really found out that uh, I love myself way more than I love my neighbor, mm-hmm. which isn't what we're called to. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. But uh, I was finding how it was. I was amazed at how resistant I was to doing things that would clearly be showing love for my neighbor, and I was, I was resisting doing those things when it was a was in conflict with what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I wasn't putting my neighbor. Um. And then just the coming to grips that other people don't think like me. You know, we I think all believe that everybody thinks the way we do. So 
what seems logical to us, we assume will seem logical to everybody else around us. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the whole, you know, the whole how to deal with the pandemic and how to go about keeping people safe, what that was going to look like. Um, there were a lot of different opinions about that. And I was shocked to realize that everybody didn't think the way I did. Sounds like you've been in a few outer meetings when we were figuring these things yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then hearing from church people afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So I think I found out that I, I've been, it revealed how earthly focused I was in my thinking. Sure. As opposed to being heavenly minded and, and thinking toward with eternity in mind. It showed me how, how little of that I really did. And so that was, that was humbling to, to deal with that and think through that and to hopefully change uh, the way I think because of it. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Appreciate you sharing that. Last question for you before we close our time is uh, we said we were going to come back to it here at the end and Bart has pulled out his phone and he's going to tell us uh, his trusty podcast list of some of his favorite Christian podcasts. So what do you have, Bart? Yeah. So I mentioned uh, Alistair Begg. His is called Truth for Life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ligonier has a couple um, short little things. There's one called Simply Put that talks about um, theological terms and mm-hmm. what they mean. And just it's like a five-minute thing. And then they also um, have another one that's, uh, I think, five minutes, in, five minutes in church history is what it's called, and it's just what it says. They, they talk about um, something related to church history, a person, a place, um, or an event. Um, they're also doing one called Luther in Real Time that's going on right now that's uh, talking about Martin Luther, so that's kind of a church history thing. Um, Crossways has a podcast that they interview leaders, people that are authors and mm-hmm. people that are writing books. Sometimes those are pretty good. Core Christianity is a uh, radio program that uh, is people calling in or asking questions about the Christian faith, and uh, a lot of them are really basic, but the answers are really good. Mm-hmm. And it's good to, to be reminded of the basics of the Christian faith um, regularly. Uh, let's see. If you like uh, storytelling, Unshackled is a uh, uh, ministry of Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, and it's uh, like a, a dramatization of people's um, salvation experience. Mm-hmm. It's a 30-minute program. happens once a week. And uh, I was listening to this week's uh, On My Way to Church this morning, so I have to finish that this afternoon. All right. Well, again, Bart, we appreciate you joining us today, sharing part of your story and how the Lord is working in and through your life. Again, we thank you to all those who have been listening today, and we look forward to sharing with you again next week. Hope you have a great week.